It is midday here on KRVN. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Glad to be a part of your day. Great show coming up. In about 15 minutes, Paul Perkins will tell us what we can expect. Is this warmer weather going to last along with the sunshine, which could be key for you if you're trying to get out there and continue harvest or even start the harvest season? Jason's in with sports. A busy weekend in athletics and college Pros, high schools, a lot of stuff going on. We'll recap that here. And Bob Brogan is in to tell us how stocks are doing to start this Monday here on this October 4th. But let's head out east and catch up with our own Susan Littlefield. Susan, how are you doing this morning? Not too bad. The sun is out. It's pretty nice out. It is. It looks like things are warming up in your area. Uh, have you noticed any anybody getting into the field out in your area this weekend? Not much this weekend because the rains kept everything. We didn't really get a lot of rain, but we had like right. 80 to 85% moisture. So mm. it made it a little too damp to get out there and try to do uh, soybeans. But I've heard a couple combines going by this morning. Good. So they're getting ready for it. And hopefully sometime this week. Yeah. What do we have coming up for us on midday today? Alex is going to kick off everything here at 1219 as she talks to the Director of Industry Relations at the Kansas Beef Council, talks of details of the upcoming Beef Insights webinar that will take place. Then I'll be in at 1245 as we'll hear from Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack. He's going to be talking a little bit about climate change and what the USDA has been doing. And then I'll wrap everything up at 117. And if you haven't eaten lunch by then, you're definitely going to be hungry. The chef with Certified Angus Beef talks about kicking off fall with some great slow cooking ideas Mm. using, of course, beef. Of course. What's better than beef, right? Good stuff. Exactly. (laughs) All right. We look forward to that. All right. Have a good rest of your day. We'll talk to you uh, next time. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. Thank you very much. That's Susan Littlefield joining us. Let's turn things over to Jason Jorgensen in sports. Uh, Good and bad for Nebraska football and UNK football this past weekend. Yeah, it was great for the Huskers. Uh, They showed up and played one of the best games they have played in a long time, especially against a Big Ten opponent. And due to that fact, uh, some Big Ten accolades. Coming up for a couple of Huskers, we'll give you the lowdown on that. It was a comeback to remember for Fort Hay State on Saturday night, rallying from 21 down mm. deep in the third quarter against the Lopers and UNK. Their first setback of the season. They had more than 7,000 fans there on Saturday night. That's the best atmosphere for a D2 football game I've ever seen. Really? Yeah, that place was jumping. Now, it wasn't jumping when the Lopers were up 21 nothing at half. Now, they all stayed, though, in the second uh, half? Some of the kids left, yeah, and then imagine. I think they came back. <laughs> they had thousands there from their student section. No kidding. That was homecoming and Oktoberfest and all that, but that was... It was a party. It was a party. And they and I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure they partied late into the night in Hayes after they beat the Lopers. They may still be partying. We don't <laughs> know. Might. So we'll uh, touch on uh, all of that. And a beautiful day for sub-district softball to start right. up across mm-hmm. the state. Boy, the kids couldn't have a better afternoon to start the trek to Hastings. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Usually this time, it always seems to have rain delays. It's just pain in the butt. A little bit of wind. Yeah, today and Not tomorrow today. should be good. Five-star day. Beautiful. All right, let's turn things over to Bob Brogan. How are stocks looking? Stocks are down and trading today. And they're coming off their worst week since uh, winter. Um, also, OPEC and allied oil-producing countries have stayed with their cautious approach to restoring oil production that was slashed during the pandemic and uh, agreeing to add 400,000 barrels per day in November. Okay, a lot of great stuff coming up. And veterans.
Time for regional ag weather update here on this Monday. Paul Perkins is joining us in the studio. Well, this past weekend was a little wet. Some areas got some uh, little rain. I wouldn't say it was a big soaker by any means, but a little, a little precipitation. But uh, yeah, all in all, very cooperative. And then, of course, we saw some clearing skies. A beautiful day yesterday. And then uh, we saw a chilly night last night. So, clear skies, light winds. And most of us dipping down into the 40s. Even saw a temperature below freezing in the Nebraska Panhandle, Mm. getting down to 31 at Mm. Alliance. That was the only place that did get to freezing or lower. And they're usually one of those cold spots that they must be kind of lower in the valley there or something. Imperial wasn't too far behind at 35. And we did see 36 at Scott's Bluff, but most of us getting into the 40s, so there was a bit of a chill. But the nice thing about this time of year, that cool air in the morning warms up very quickly since it is drier across the area. Well, since you're bringing up those cold temperatures, and you might be getting to it here in just a moment, uh, but when are we going to see our first freeze potentially? It's, it's, it's a ways away right now. Okay, because, good. Uh, yeah, this next week, uh, looking at some warmer than normal temperatures, and it looks to stay warmer than normal through at least the middle of the month here. So, wow, I would like that, to hear that. Yeah, avoiding that freeze. So, yeah, you don't have to worry about the garden or anything like that just freezing just yet. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> well, this week should be a good week to get into the field if you were sidelined this past weekend or getting there for the first time. Yeah, just looking perfect here over the next several days. Maybe some rain chances by Saturday night into Sunday, but really looking at a good time to go full speed ahead with mm-hmm. any kind of harvest efforts. Temperatures not as warm as last Monday, but they're still going to be pretty nice here to start off the week. Yes, uh, warming up quickly right now across the area. Still, most of us with temperatures in the upper 60s to the low 70s. We do have some mid and upper 70s, though, from the Aurora and York area, also towards the Albion area, on into much of northern Kansas, as warm as 79 already in the temperature in the Smith Center, Kansas area, and right around 80 already into northeastern areas of Colorado. That does compare with some temperatures still in the low to mid 60s on into much of the Nebraska Panhandle. Alliance, they got down to 31 this morning, but their temperature already sitting at 67 degrees, so that dry air really warming up. Currently, the dew points across the area, mostly in the mid-40s to around 50, but as you go to the Nebraska Panhandle, those dew points currently at 30, and any time it gets to 65 is when you feel it humid, so definitely dry air in place. Both today and tomorrow, an overhead ridge of high pressure, resulting in sunny skies and high temperatures right around 80. Rainies that are nearly 10 degrees warmer than average with that high pressure ridge starting to break down some by Wednesday and Thursday. Those temperatures will cool slightly to near seasonal averages. So still nice for this time of year. After multiple days of light winds, those winds will increase a bit from the south on Wednesday and Thursday as an area of low pressure approaches. Temperatures warm back to 10 degrees warmer than usual for Friday and Saturday when that high pressure ridge starts to build back up from the southern plains. The period to watch for some Possible rain chances Saturday night into Sunday when low pressure does track through the plains. The big uncertainty right now with the forecast models is just how far north those rain chances make it into the plains. So right now mainly looking at some slight chances of rain. A cold front will drop our temperatures to seasonal levels on Sunday, but no big cold air on the way. In the long-term forecast, the temperatures overall expected to remain warmer than normal this weekend through October 17th for Nebraska and Kansas. Something to keep an eye on, though. 
cooler than normal air is lurking over the western third of the U.S. An active pattern will result in above normal rainfall for Nebraska and Kansas this weekend through October 17th. That higher chance of above normal rainfall currently indicated for this weekend through early next week. Key weather factors impacting the markets, including the rain east of the Mississippi River and mostly favorable weather for planting in Brazil. On the plains, areas that received rain last week, record-setting high temperatures are favoring the winter wheat emergence and growth. Today, readings above 85 should occur as far north as eastern Montana and the Dakotas. In areas that remained dry last week, such as the northern plains, newly planted winter wheat lacking the needed moisture for emergence and establishment. Mostly dry weather will prevail this next several days across the nation's event section. That's aside from some widely scattered rain late in the week across the northern plains. Significantly above normal temperatures will accompany the dry weather with late week temperatures expected to reach 90 or higher throughout the southern plains. For the southern plains, scattered rain by this weekend will be a benefit for the winter wheat. In the Midwest, scattered rain this past weekend may have caused some delays to corn and soybean harvest, but provided some good moisture for some of the winter wheat areas. Off and on rain will continue over the eastern Midwest through this weekend and early next week. The western Midwest, though, with mostly favorable harvest conditions until the weekend. Southern Brazil this past weekend had some scattered and heavier rain, while isolated and lighter rain fell across central Brazil. Rain may increase the next couple of days in central Brazil. Heavier rain will be found this upcoming weekend in southern Brazil, while rain stays a little more isolated in the central. Brazil's conditions, though, mostly favorable as planting full-season corn and soybeans continues to increase, especially over the south. Reproductive defilling winter wheat in Brazil continues to have mostly favorable conditions as well. So again, it sounds like a really great week, especially here in the Midwest and in our listening area to get out and harvest. Yeah, uh, these temperatures are just going to be great over the next several days. Staying in the 70s, maybe back to some low 70s, but overall warmer than normal over the next several days. Wow. If you ever want to invite someone to Nebraska and Kansas to say, hey, we have great weather here, this is the week to do so. <laughs> it's a good point, and you can see the harvest going on. Listen, bring them any time, but yeah, you're right, this is a good week to do so. Wish we could bottle it up, because I could take this all year long. No kidding, no kidding. All right, good information there. Uh, for a full weather forecast where can somebody find that weather page at krvn.com thank you paul slick power district we're joined on the phone today by john soxie he's the director of industry relations for the kansas beef council john you guys have a, a webinar coming up the beef insights webinar first of all tell me a little bit more about this webinar and what it's all about really we've taken the opportunity here a good portion of this year to offer some um, what's called what we're calling Beef Insights webinars. Um, we've got our third one in the series coming up uh, Wednesday, October 6th. It's from 12 to 1, and again, it's, it's online, virtual, um, using the Zoom platform. And we'll be featuring uh, Dr. Shailene McNeil. She's the Executive Director of Nutrition and Research at NCBA. She's also a registered dietitian. And really kind of our, our goal behind this, we had our first one back in um, in March, had a, our second one in June, and we really wanted to, you know, a lot of the work, uh, Alex, that we do is geared towards the, con- the consumer end of things, but a lot of the work that I do is sharing with producers how we're utilizing their, their beef checkoff uh, investment, and so we wanted them to kind of see the behind-the-scenes work of what the checkoff does in the nutrition realm, especially on the research side of things. So back in, uh, back in March, we had our first webinar, and uh, we wanted to highlight how the domestic consumer responded 
through COVID, especially certainly most of 2020, and how Beef It's What's for Dinner and other checkoff web programs uh, address all the opportunities and challenges that, that arose. Then in uh, June, Alex, we hosted uh, uh, kind of the latest findings of some beef checkoff-funded research that was done at uh, the Kansas State uh, Animal Science Department. We took a, a kind of deep dive with Dr. Travis O'Quinn that looked at uh, meat alternative research that they're doing and just kind of looking at um, how consumers view the price of alternative proteins, what that market share looks like, and then just the taste uh, profile of, of those different alternative uh, products. And uh, so mentioned October 6th, we've got our third one coming up. Uh, Dr. Shailene McNeil will be talking about health reasons. Uh, consumers choose or limit uh, beef in their diet. Uh, just the latest research on beef benefits for, for health, and especially including lean beef in, in your diet, and uh, just general checkoff effort, effort to, to reach physicians and nutrition influencers and, and efforts um, in that realm. All right. Very interesting. Lots of things to look forward to. And Dr. Shailene McNeil is just absolutely fantastic. She's she's so insightful. So that'd be a, a great webinar to attend for people, John, who are looking forward to attending. What are the details? What do they need to know? Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for, for asking. And before I forget, I, I wanted to mention that it is free. A lot of times, uh, you know, you get what you pay for. But uh like you like you mentioned, Alex, uh, Dr. McNeil is phenomenal. So although this is a, a free event, I, you will definitely find it worth uh, worth your time if you set that hour aside. So it is free. We didn't want any barriers barriers to entry for anybody. So free event. Uh, we're directing folks to call our office at 785-273-5225, uh, or they can hop on our website at uh, we've got a Beef Hub tab on our website, kansasbeef.org, and they can learn more about kind of what we're doing. And um, for those individuals that are interested but just can't log on during that time or, or day, we're going to be recording live, and then we'll, we'll have that recording on our Beef Hub on our website at a later point. All right, John, great information. As always, thanks so much. Thank you, Alex. And that again is John Soxy joining us. He's the Director of Industry Relations for the Kansas Beef Council for this week's Beef Checkup Update. It's time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen is joining us in the studio. And well, after the big win for Husker football this past weekend, a couple of players now being recognized. As well they should. JoJo Doman and Adrian Martinez were both honored today. Doman was named Big Ten Co-Defensive Player of the Week, while Martinez was one of eight Manning Award Stars of the Week. Doman led the Huskers with nine tackles, including eight solo stops, while posting career highs for tackles with loss. He also had a couple of sacks and forced two fumbles, and he says Saturday was a blast. I've never been a part of a game like that versus a Big Ten opponent here. Felt good. Felt like if we just executed all, on all cylinders like we're capable of and that we do from time to time, but then putting it all together, it was great to see. Um, unbelievable atmosphere tonight. Now Martinez accounted for 252 yards of total offense as the Huskers put up 56 points and over 650 yards of total offense. He now has totaled at least 250 yards of total offense in seven straight games. That sets a school record. He's had a good fall. He has. Uh, he really has come a long way and uh, would like to see that. Also, it's been a while since Nebraska has had a game like that. 
uh, just a, a beatdown of a, an opponent and where you can have your second, third, fourth string, the water boy gets out there. I mean, it's nice to have that for Nebraska. I had to smile last, yesterday after church. We uh, had breakfast, and a couple of the uh, young kids were there talking about the game, and they were pretty excited that Nebraska hammered Northwestern. <laughs> and I didn't, have the, I didn't have the heart to say, hey, kids, that used to happen all the time. Yes. Back in the good old days, uh, that would happen uh, quite often. So, Good anyway, test for them this upcoming Friday. Though. Yeah, Nebraska will take on uh, Michigan coming up on Saturday yeah. night. And then uh, also they just announced the Nebraska-Minnesota game. That will be an 11 a.m. kickoff on the 16th. Four-day State Tigers scored touchdowns on all six second-half possessions to erase three different 21-point deficits to beat 12th-ranked UNK on Saturday night, 42-35. to And Loper head coach Josh Lynn says UNK just couldn't finish. You know, I think the big thing is just we got moving on, maybe. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, you know, our, our pass rush wasn't getting home. And then, uh, you know, we, we didn't cover receivers like we needed to. And, and once again, give that quarterback, I mean, he threw some great balls. UNK lost for the first time since November of 2019. They'll look to bounce back this Saturday at home. They'll take on Missouri Western. And Jason Bockel of Hastings College is this week's Special Teams Player of the Week. The junior from Grand Island made a career-long 47-yard field goal with less than two minutes to go to give Hastings College a much-needed 24-23 win over Briarcliff. Hmm. 43, 47 yards. It's impressive. He's had a nice career that. This is probably the third, if not the fourth time, he's been special teams player of the week over the course of his career. Listen, it doesn't matter the division. They're at the next level or whatever he may want to do after. They're, they're make, if you're a consistent kicker, they could always use someone. Also, I think they have field turf now they're in Mitchell. Which is where? Uh, no, I take that Briar back. Cliff. Uh, Briar Cliff. Excuse they me. Do. So, uh, but yeah, you hit it off field turf. Yeah. The last day to kick. Yes, the last time I was up in Briar Cliff, they were just installing it. Okay. In fact, they were. Uh, they still had some of it uh, heaped up in piles <laughs> in the corners. It's a. Uh, it's a. It's a slow progress for the the Chargers of Briar Cliff University. Good deal for Jason yes. Bogle. All right. Thank you very much. It is time for Midday News. News Director Dave Schroeder is joining us. Dave, how was your weekend? Well, not too bad. Not too bad. Enjoyed a little bit outside and yeah. kind of moving about a little bit. So. Very good. Well, what do you have for us on this Monday? Well, this morning, uh, Governor Ricketts hosted a news conference where they presented the Nebraska Medicaid Provider Awards at the state capitol. Dr. Robert Rhodes, the Chief Medical Officer of Healthy Blue of Nebraska, presented a Medicaid Provider Award to Dr. Chris McVeigh, Healthy Blue of Nebraska. And we at Healthy Blue are very proud to, to uh, uh, have nominated Dr. McVeigh. She's passionate about her patients and the team that she works with and cares for. This is not only at One World in Omaha, but her suggestions and input help as an advocate for all Medicaid members in Nebraska. Other nominees included Dr. John Tubbs of Nebraska Total Care of Stewart, recognized as a nominee for the Governor's Medicaid Award. Also, Dr. Erica Peterson, nominated by United Healthcare Community Plan, a pediatrician for Blue Stem Health in Lincoln. A Nebraska woman who's believed to be among the livest, oldest living American celebrated her 
her 115th birthday. Thelma Sutcliffe marked her birthday quietly on Friday at the facility where she lives in Omaha. Sutcliffe was born on October 1st, 1906 in then Benson, Nebraska. Of course, Benson is now part of Omaha. She married at the age of 17. Her husband died in the early 1970s. The gerontology research group says Sutcliffe became the nation's oldest living person back in April when Hester Ford died in North Carolina at the age of 115. Acting United States Attorney Jan Sharp has announced that 27-year-old Jesse Alcantar of Redlands, California, will serve 66 months imprisonment for possession with intent to distribute methamphetamine. Back in November of 2019, officers were conducting an investigation in which they saw a man depart a Greyhound bus in central Nebraska with two pieces of luggage and got into a white sedan. Officers followed the sedan uh, from Grand Island heading towards Hastings. Well, the next day, they got a search warrant for a house in Hastings, and during the search warrant, the uh, suspect, Alcantar, broke a window inside the residence and fled. Well, officers were able to detain, to detain him. During the execution of the search warrant, they found a black backpack containing nearly three pounds of methamphetamine. The backpack also contained a Greyhound bus reboarding check. They also found $4,800 in cash, a scale, and a Greyhound bus itinerary with Alcantar's name. The methamphetamine was sent to the state patrol lab for analysis, and it was confirmed to be methamphetamine with 100% purity. Well, that's a check of the latest in news. I'm Dave Schroeder. And veterans. One of the focuses of the USDA this year has been climate change. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network, and during a recent trip to the state of Colorado, Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack last week talked about the work that they continue to do. And how farmers, ranchers, and producers might be able to adapt to the changes, mitigate the impacts of those changes, and create a market opportunity by embracing climate-smart agricultural practices. Now, fortunately, policymakers in, in Congress and in Washington, D.C., and in state capitals, understand the need to act and address climate change. Congress is now considering a significant investment in climate-smart practices in both the Bipartisan Infrastructure and Jobs Bill and the Build Back Better Reconciliation Bill. The House of Representatives Agricultural Committee will soon do a markup of a Senate-passed bipartisan bill called the Growing Climate Solutions Act which will aid in the development of markets for sustainably produced products. All of these measures and others calling for the support of precision agriculture and better forest management all underscore the need for action. Now, the Biden-Harris administration has called for a whole-of-government approach to achieving net zero greenhouse gas emissions economy-wide by 2050, which scientists say is required to avoid the worst impacts of climate change. The President's climate plan also sets a goal of reducing greenhouse gas emissions economy-wide by somewhere between 50 and 52 percent by the year 2030. Agriculture, forestry, and rural America can, will, and I believe must play an important role in meeting the President's 2030 reduction goal and the net zero emission goal by 2050. 
And the secretary said in order to look at the changes happening within USDA, you have to look at the value of what they're doing. USDA's work on climate change will be focused on partnerships with agriculture, forestry, tribes, states, businesses, universities, nonprofits. Our work will be incentive-based and will work to help farmers create new income opportunities on a voluntary basis with markets for agriculture and forestry products. Our work on climate smart agriculture and forestry will be farmer, rancher, and forester-led. Because after all, climate smart agriculture and forestry has simply has to work for our farmers, for our ranchers, and our forest owners, or it won't work for our climate. Getting the science right regarding the role that agriculture and forestry can play in reducing greenhouse gas emissions is also critical, and I think you all know that here on campus. USDA will invest in the science and quantification of carbon sequestration in greenhouse gases so we can truly demonstrate to our country and to the market the benefits of our investments. And equity is another area he says that they are working on within USDA. We must ensure that programs we support and the investments we make are available to everyone and that we take special steps to ensure that farmers of color and small and medium-sized farming operations are able to participate and prosper as a result of this work. Now, we haven't developed our climate work in isolation. This past spring, we solicited the views of tribes and states and other stakeholders across agriculture and forestry on how we should develop our own department's climate smart agriculture and forestry strategy, which we released in May. As we move forward in the months and weeks ahead, we want to make sure we're able to provide more opportunities to engage with and listen to our stakeholders and consumers. Now, USDA has a wide range of Farm Bill conservation programs that provide cost share and financial assistance to farmers, ranchers, and forest owners to implement a variety of conservation practices. Now, these programs provide an opportunity to work with producers and landowners to implement a number of conservation practices that sequester carbon, that improve soil health, that protect our precious water resources, that help reduce greenhouse gas emissions, and promote resiliency. And we're already leveraging our existing programs to target climate outcomes and to encourage the voluntary adoption of climate smart solutions across the landscape. He says it's good for producers, the bottom line, and shares an example. Earlier this summer, USDA's Natural Resource Conservation Service, NRCS, invested over $50 million in our Environmental Equality Incentive Program, EQIP, and Climate Smart Agricultural and Forestry Practices, 10 million of which was designed to support climate smart practices through voluntary conservation practices in 10 targeted states, and over 40 million of which was to help producers in Arizona, California, Oregon, and here in Colorado, to help them alleviate the immediate impacts of drought and other natural resources uh, challenges that they were facing on working lands. And just this week, NRCS announced another $75 million for 15 partner-led projects through the Regional Conservation Partnership Program, Alternative Funding Arrangements Effort, that focuses on climate-smart agriculture and forestry and other conservation priorities, as well as improving access for historically underserved producers. Those comments coming from Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack.
I'm Susan Littlefield, the Rural Radio Network. Hey, Kansas. Stocks are sliding again as Wall Street comes off its worst week since winter. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. The S&P 500 fell 1.4% in afternoon trading, while the tech-heavy Nasdaq dropped 2.3%. Technology and communications stocks fell. The price of U.S. oil rose above $77 per barrel for the first time since 2014, as OPEC stuck to a plan for cautious production increases. Rising energy prices helped oil companies gain ground. Tesla rose 1.5% after the electric vehicle maker reported surprisingly good third-quarter deliveries. The yield on the 10-year Treasury note rose to 1.48% from 1.47% on Friday. OPEC and allied oil-producing countries have stayed with their cautious approach to restoring oil production slashed during the pandemic agreeing to add 400,000 barrels per day in November. The decision by the Vienna-based oil cartel tracks with its established schedule of adding back that amount of oil every month until the cuts made during the depth of the pandemic recession are restored. The price of a barrel of crude hit $78.38, the highest since 2014, then eased to trade 2% higher on the day, at $77.87 on the New York Mercantile Exchange. Facebook and its Instagram and WhatsApp platforms were down in parts of the world today. The company said it was aware that some people are having trouble accessing Facebook app and it was working on restoring access. The company did not say what might be causing the outage, which began around 11.45 ET. Users reported being unable to access Facebook in California, New York, and Europe. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Rowe. As the air starts to change and the leaves start to fall, our thoughts on cooking also starts to change. Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield here on the Rural Radio Network. Having said that, slow cooking and making stews and soups becomes a bit more popular. Gavin Pinto is a chef with certified Angus beef, and he gives us some ideas and thoughts as we start to heat things up in the kitchen. You know, I think um, when it comes to stewing and braising, there's there's so many options. People can kind of get stuck in a rut of what they, they traditionally do, but, you know, every culture... Um, every type of cuisine has a type of stew or some type of slow-cooked dish. And I think kind of um, getting outside your comfort zone, trying some new flavors, maybe throwing in a couple of different ingredients is really a way to vary up that um, that stew or that soup and still keep it, you know, warm and hearty and, you know, filling for this time of year. So what are some things that we need to know, maybe starting with the basics of, of picking out the right cuts of meat when we head to the meat counter? Yeah, I always think anything that you want to grill is not what you want to stew. Um, anything that's going to be a tougher, more hardworking muscle is going to be what works out the best because those break down beautifully. They tend to be nicely marbled. And because they are a little tougher to start with, that usually means they have a nice deep flavor, but you just need to give them that time to really break down so that they can shred and be fork tender. So you've made that selection Let's get it started. What are some of the tips that you have on, on getting that super tender meat and, and obviously having a very tasty stew or slow-cooked meal? Yeah, I personally, I really like the chuck. Um, 
one reason for that being that I always make sure to sear before I start a stew or a braise. And the chuck has a nice little extra amount of fat, which I use then that rendered fat to cook some of my vegetables in. Depending on how I put it, sometimes I like my stews a little more rough. Maybe if it's uh, something I want a little smaller cube, I'll do one inch. But either way, just making sure to get a good sear on that. I usually make sure to sear at least. If I'm doing the big chunks, I'll do like two sides because that really helps develop that beefy flavor and then will help render out some of that fat that you can more layers of flavor that you can build root vegetables what's your favorites to throw in so root vegetables you know i'm actually just a big root vegetable fan um i like kind of playing with um two flavor profiles like throw something that's a little more flavorful and almost bitter like a parsnip in but then i'll throw something like um a sweet potato or even a butternut squash chunked up Throw that in there. That way you kind of get this balance of like some more sweet, some more savory. And plus nutrient-wise, you're getting a lot more nutrients by varying your ingredients. If they want to find out more information, you guys have got a, a great website that lists and even some how-to videos through your YouTube page. Yeah, we always try and keep it seasonal, you know, um, try and cook what people are wanting to cook. So you can check us out on Certified Angus Beef on our YouTube channel and our website, CertifiedAngusBeef.com. We've got a wide variety of soups and stews and just perfect tips for cooking this time of year. Uh, You know, just check out some of those videos, too, because we really like to get out there and try and share some knowledge and help people out. Those comments coming from Chef Gavin Pinto. He is with Certified Angus Beef. By the way, if you go to their website, which is CertifiedAngusBeef.com, Click on the recipes and then click on slow cooker. It's going to give you some great options to what he talked about today. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Eyes care. Clay Penn on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in now with John Payne of Stone X and publisher of the Daily Newsletter this week in Grain. John, coming into the close, as we see the soybeans having a little bit of a rougher start, though that Chicago wheat trade kind of being beneficial through much of the day. What do you see as the major players? Were grains more focused on the outside world or more about their individual fundamentals? Uh, it's hard to say. you got to get a double dual trade setting up. The, the feed grain side of things, and whether it be milling grains or uh, grains going to, to animal feed, um, it's all up. And then on the opposite side of things, you have the soybean complex down, really led by across the book. So we're back to even money between crop years now, uh, 1235 on the November 21, 1234 for November 22. And I think the outlook now is a, a little bit of short-term too much supply, uh, whether that coming from South America uh, Stonex on, on Friday increased their estimates early. They're early, but 144 million metric tons is just a massive number. Uh, and then you have, um, you know, Chinese trade talks that potentially are kind of going nowhere. Uh, I think the meeting today or the announcement from our trade reps was essentially a mirror of what was going on under the Trump administration. So uh, it's, I find that laughable to a certain degree that the same folks that were screaming uh, against uh, trade wars with China are now uh, continuing them. So uh, that was kind of the theme of the day, and I think that hurts beans the most. Beans definitely in the crosshairs coming across. Wheat, though, we're hearing from Russia. They don't want to plant as much winter wheat due to drought conditions. They're trying to hold their export, shrinking their quota up here today as well. So how much of a global market does this open the U.S. up to if we continue to experience these type of global short lo- shortcomings on stocks? 
it'll be there if we want it. I think that's the big thing. You might want it in the short term, but you might need those supplies later. And I think the farmers right now are getting smart to it, especially as a lot of folks have gotten fertilizer bills and input bills over the last couple of weeks. And they look at what, what they're spending for next year's crop. And, and, and I think the smart money now is starting to realize, hey, the best guide against this kind of inflation is holding on to supply. So in my opinion, that you know, this is a, an example of, of something that some people are doing, and that is any sales they're making in this current crop year, they're going to shift and re-own them two, two crop years out to December of 24, or I'm sorry, December of 23. That essentially represents fertilizer for next year. Uh, so if the market would rally in those, in that 2023 crop year, it's most likely because corn didn't get the acreage it needed. And that would be due to fertilizer shortages, in my opinion. So I think, uh, the, the world in the last couple of weeks has flipped now and, and is discounting corn acreage and really putting bean acres at a premium. And I think you're seeing the real, uh, the opposite direction here. That is John Payne. Learn more stonex.com. There you can sign up for this week in Grain, John's daily newsletter. Do remember trading future options of all risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Thank you, Clay. That wraps up midday here on this Monday. Catch the midday podcast available online at krvn.com.